Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Caligeris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Marketing, and your host for this episode. Today, we have one of my favorite guests, and we have not had him on in quite a while, Mr. Mark Stiving. Hello, Mark. Hi, Rebecca. You mean I'm one of the best minds in the industry? One of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? When it comes to pricing, Mark, you're absolutely my go-to guy. I, I love hearing your stories about pricing. I love hearing, you know, the feedback. You just did a sort of world tour of pricing training. And um, so, yes, in pricing, absolutely. One of my favorite minds in the industry. Oh, thank you. You, you can drop that one of. But, oh. you know, that's- <laughs> Don't push it, Betty. <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading your blog recently, uh, which I always read your blog, but one of the things that you did was a blog post called Price is Always the Issue, Price is Never the Issue. And I know that this stemmed out of a question that you got in one of your training courses, and I would love to explore this very topic on today's podcast. Awesome. That'll be fun. So, so can I tell you what happened? Absolutely. I've probably heard 99% of the questions that I'll get in a pricing class before. And, and some, uh, rarely do I get surprised, but I, I hit the, uh, we're making the point. Someone was saying, Oh, we're going to lose on price. And I said, you know, price is, price is almost never ever the issue. It's always something else. And we could do this. And, and one guy goes, but what if it really is price? And it just threw me. I, I had to fall back on my heels for a little bit and try to figure this thing out. It's like, wow, what if it really is price? Um, so I, I think I stumbled through an answer for him, but luckily I thought about it and wrote a blog. <laughs> <laughs> As you dug into that question more, Mark, what did it bring up? What did you write about in your blog? The first thing is you have to realize that price is involved in every single transaction. And I, especially in the B2B world, I've never met a purchasing person who wasn't trying to get a better price, right? They're trying to negotiate. And, and yet you could argue that um, if I could lower my price enough, I could pro- probably win almost every deal. And so you could say price is always an issue in every single transaction. The other side of that, though, is the value side. And that is... What if I, uh, I wrote this in the blog, but what if I taped gold bars into my piece of hardware and I just hadn't told you that as we were doing all the negotiations and everything and you're trying to beat me up on price and I said, all of a sudden I said, oh yeah, yeah, but you know, this one has gold bars in it. Suddenly the value you perceive for that is so much higher and you'd certainly be willing to pay. But that's exactly what our salespeople should be doing all the time is essentially taping gold bars into the product. Now that might be the product team's responsibility to actually get the bars in there. But what sales has to do is be able to communicate that value. So the way to look at this is that although price is involved in every single transaction, as an organization, we have to, we have to create products that have real value and we have to communicate that value to the buyers. And if we haven't created and communicated the value, then the only thing we can do is lower the price. So I'm of the belief and I like to go along thinking that all we have to do is add more value, communicate our value better, understand our customers better, 
and we can win at those prices we want to win at. That's really interesting because there are very few products that I would buy completely regardless of price, right? Maybe some medicines or something that you needed to survive, right? But other than that, it's, it's always a, a factor. But to your point, if it had enough value, it would never be too expensive to me. Yeah, that is what I said. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> At least I was listening. <laughs> that, that might be the extreme, right? So, so could I charge you $100 for a pack of gum? Probably not, right? But because there's other gum on the market and there's competition. But but if I was trying to get, instead of a dollar for a pack of gum, I don't even know how much gum sells for nowadays. But but instead of a dollar for a pack, if I was trying to get a dollar twenty, or even $2, could I demonstrate that my gum has more value, right? It cleans your teeth. It makes your breath smell good. It, it uh, helps you get dates. Right? <laughs> Whatever it is, my gum adds enough value that you'd be willing to pay a little bit more for my gum. And, and that's really the point is do we understand the way our buyers make decisions, what they value, and are we communicating that? So how can we, as product people, as pricing people, help make sure that our salespeople are communicating all of the value, or at least the value that is of the value that is of most value, to our customers? Yeah, fascinating. We do an exercise in the price class um, just before lunch, and in that exercise, what we do is we say, "Here's your product. Here's your competitor's product." Now, what's different about your product versus your competitor's product? And what's different about your competitor's product that's uh, better than your product? And then let's put a dollar value on each one. Now, now these are most fun to do when I'm doing an on-site class, when I'm doing a, a, a private class, because I'll take one of their products and we'll go through this exercise. And it doesn't matter who we have in the room. We could have salespeople in the room, product managers, the product manager for this core, for this product, doesn't matter, they can't figure out the answers to these questions. And it's just fascinating because forget sales for a second. If your product team can't do that, how could you expect sales to do that? Are there other ways we would help sales? So that exercise that we just went through is a great exercise for product people to make sure that they understand the value, at least understand, or at least have a decent approach at how much they think customers value, what we do better, what our competitors do better. And then we have to share this knowledge with our sales team somehow. And we teach a concept called the value matrix to help them do that. Um, it's a lot like those competitive matrix spreadsheets, but instead of using feature by feature by feature, what we really put in there are what are the buying criteria? What are the things that matter to our buyers as they're deciding between our products and our competitors' products? How much better or worse are we at those? And, and we just try to say how important it is for the buyers, for the customers. And this is a really nice tool for sharing the thought process with our sales team. They're not going to go through the dollar value process that we just went through. But, and, and if we tried to give them the same information – it would really cause conflicts between sales and product because sales isn't going to believe what we just put together. But when we put together this value matrix, which doesn't actually put dollars in it, it just talks about which uh, buying criteria are most important, then that's a great tool to give our salespeople so they understand where we should be emphasizing, where we shouldn't be emphasizing. Uh, so that's one more tool. And then the last 
thing that we don't teach today, but I would recommend everybody go look this up because it's just an amazing concept. And it's called value conversations. And value conversations, as I've been doing this podcast, I've, I've talked to a couple different people, Dan Morris and Ed Kless, and, and we've been talking about value conversations and I've just become enthralled with these. And a value conversation is essentially saying to the salesperson, although product people could do this as well, go out and ask people what do they value? How are they going to measure the difference? Um, so the impact before we start, the impact after, you know, if we solve the problem really, really well, what would that impact be? Can we put a dollar value on that? And, and as we start to learn how to have these conversations, it allows us to put dollar values or at least get close to putting dollar values on things that our buyers and our customers actually care about. Okay. Okay. Hold that thought. We'll be right back after this. Hello, Pragmatic Live listeners. Did you know that we have helped more than 8,000 companies worldwide with our proven methodology and framework? To put the Pragmatic Marketing Framework to work for your organization, visit pragmaticmarketing.com slash buy. Now back to Mark and this week's episode of Pragmatic Live. So how many, well, that sounds awesome. So you're going out having these conversations, totally different than going out and asking the market what they're willing to pay, right? How much are you willing to pay? But, but really talking to them about what they value and how they measure the impact of that. Is that something that you would see product teams doing as part of their uh, research efforts? Yes. So this concept was really developed around sales training in professional industries, but I got to say that I think it is hugely valuable for salespeople in the high tech world because what we want to do is each buyer is different and we want to understand what they value. But as soon as you start saying, hey, that's pretty cool for salespeople, why wouldn't product people do this? Because if we as product people go out and we start finding out what the real problems are and can we somehow quantify the value of that problem, now we're building products that are valuable, that are, that our market cares about more than, Hey, we put another new feature in. Isn't that really cool? So uh, it makes complete sense to me, right? So how come you think people aren't doing that today? Like as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, let's go do that right now. Why do you think are the, some of the reasons maybe it's not occurring? From the product side or the sales side? Product side. So from the product side, I think it's not occurring because nobody's ever taught this before. We, we don't know how to ask the questions. And I randomly bumped into this a year or so ago, and I've just been reading about it and understanding it. And, and as I said, this has been developed around, so you're an accounting firm and you're going to go out and try to sell some contract or agreement with somebody. The best way to do that is go figure out how much value am I about to deliver to you so now I can price it. We're not pricing it by the hour. I don't think anybody's ever applied this same concept to technology sales, although it applies perfectly. And I'm pretty positive nobody's ever applied it to product management or product teams creating products. And as you just said, hey, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, it definitely does. If you were to teach someone this concept and, and set them out to do it, what kind of questions? How, how would they go about digging 
to get the real answers on value and not sort of the surface, how much is this worth to you? It's fascinating. There's, um, there's a series of questions or a process that Ed Kless walked me through. And then since then, I bought Mahan Kalsa's book and I read his book on how to go through this. Uh, and we can put the name of the book in the show notes. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But they have this process to go through. And I'm not sure that process fits perfectly for product people yet. But let's go to the last five questions. The, they call these the five golden questions. And these questions really make a lot of sense. So the first thing I've done is I've already talked to somebody to find out what's important to them. And so once I find out what's important, then I'm going to ask the question, so how do you measure that? So whatever that happens to be. So maybe it's um, employee satisfaction is really important to me. Great. So how do you measure that? And they'll say, oh, we measure that using an in, oh, turnover. Right? We, we measure that using turnover. Excellent. What's uh, turnover right now? And they give us a number. What would you think it could be if we solved this really well? What would you like to get it to? And they give us another number. And then we say, what's the value? If we could get it from this number to that number, what would that value be to you and your company? And oftentimes at this stage, we have to help them a little bit. So they may not have thought through, oh, let's see, turnover, it costs us $5,000 a head for recruiting and training and, and lost wages or, or whatever that happens to be. And so we come up with that number of $5,000 and we're going to save 10, you know, we're going to have 10 fewer turnover a year. That's $50,000 a year. Did, did, did I get that math right? Yeah, that seems okay. And, and so it's just this really nice process that you can take anything that's measurable essentially and walk them through how do I put a dollar value on that. The thing I love about this process is that it's always the buyer putting the dollar value on there. It's not us going in with our ROI calculator that says, hey, let me tell you how much money we're going to save you. I think as the buyer, it makes it infinitely more real and solid than just some random numbers. Even if my numbers come out bigger or the same, right? I, I owned the process. I have um, thought about that in terms of my own business and what we talk about as our numbers, and, and that only makes it better. Yeah, it makes it so much more believable because you did it. So it's got to be very important that whatever you're talking about is, is highly measurable, right? From the beginning, it's the first thing is what, how do you measure it? So maybe like I want to do something that feels soft and fuzzy. I want happier customers. I want more whatever. Yes. Publicity in the world. And you really have to break that down into measurable items. Yeah. So one of the tricks that they use, uh, I jump to the end, the five magic questions. But before you can jump to those five questions, you have to have something measurable. <laughs> and I would think, would you, um, are you trying to hone in on one particular item to do the five golden questions on, or is it, could you have a series of measurable items and you do the five golden questions on each? Yeah, I think it's kind of some, it's somewhere in between those two. Okay. One of the things, the questions that come up just before the five golden questions are questions around, um, if I could solve this problem for you. Um, why do you think that would be important or what do you think would happen if we did that? And so you would say, oh, it's going to lower my turnover rate. Oh, excellent. Why else? Oh, it's going to um, make my employees more productive. Oh, excellent. Why else? 
And I'm going to sit here and say, why else? Until you stop coming up with ideas. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so I now have a list of things. I could look at those. The, the next question is I got to the end of the why else. I say, out of this list, which of these do you think is most important to you? And now I know which one I'm starting with. But you could look through this list and say, oh, this one, employee turnover, is very different than employee productivity. Right? Those would be additive. I could put one on top of the other. So I'm going to come back and revisit employee productivity after we've done employee turnover. So you could certainly do this in an additive fashion as long as they were, they were truly different. And that would be a judgment call on our part. I would think just having these conversations would demonstrate a a different level of interest in and understanding of their business, which would be helpful from both the product and the sales side. You know, what is really amazing about this is when we have these conversations, it, it shows the buyers we care about them. It shows the buyers we care about their business, not about selling our product. Well, there's no, that's a, a very, very powerful tool in, a, in any salesperson's uh, quiver. Yeah. I'm becoming more and more impressed with the power of these value conversations. And then I, I was I had one more answer for it has to be measurable. Mm-hmm. So what if you gave me something that really wasn't measurable? So you said, um, what did you say, employee satisfaction or customer happiness or mm-hmm. something like that? Customer happiness. Customer happiness. And I'd say, I, I could say something like, yeah. Um, but we can't really measure customer happiness. Uh, just, just tell me if we could, if we could actually make customers more happy, what do you think would happen then? Then they could see the results of that, you know, then they would buy more, they would refer more, they would talk about us more. Suddenly we get measurable things, mm-hmm. right? So, so we're looking for something measurable in order to put a dollar value on it. And this is important because whether or not price is always the issue, value is certainly always the issue, right? They may think of it as price. I'm going to focus on price. But what they really are is the price to value ratio. And the more we can help understand what they value, the more we can focus on that. Absolutely. One of my – one of the concepts I saw recently, which I thought was just so insightful, is there are three key – um, I'm, I'm going to call it dollar value points for the sake of arguments, right? And so there's our cost. What does it cost us to build something? And I got to tell you that our market doesn't care, right? Totally irrelevant to everything. Then at the very top end, there's how much value does our buyer get from our product if they get if they buy it and use it, and and then somewhere in between value and cost is the price. So, so that's the transaction price where we actually agree and both of us are a little bit better off. We made some profit. They made some profit and value. But here's the really fascinating thing. Price, we and the customer disagree, right? They want a lower price. We want a higher price. Cost, we care, but customers don't care. But value is the one piece of those three that we both care a lot about. Hmm. And so is there a way that, that we could help our customers understand the value, uh, perceive the value even more? Because they want more value from their product and we want to deliver more value to their, from our product. Well, anytime you guys can both be talking about something you care about, 
you know, those are the most powerful conversations. You're not trying to translate from what you care about to them. It's, it's a spot where both sides intersect and that's, oh yeah. Well, we've talked about all kinds of stuff, right? We started with the blog and your tour and we ended up with value conversations. So with all of the things we've covered, Mark, if there's one that is the most critical, so let's just do that. Let's just tell them what the one thing they should do is. So obviously the answer is to sell value, to talk about value, to communicate value. But this concept of a value conversation, I think everybody should read about that, study it, go practice it. See if you could go do a value conversation. It's actually fascinating to do these. And as we talked about, it's great for salespeople to do it, but I think it's going to be even more valuable as product people start to do it. All right, Mark. It is always wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Rebecca. It's always a blast being here. That does it for today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.